Chapter One of Janet of the Dunes by Harriet T. Comstock. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Roger Moline. Janet of the Dunes by Harriet T. Comstock. Chapter One. A sweeping curve of glistening beach, a full palpitating sea lying under the languid heat of a late June afternoon. The low, red life-saving station, with two small cottages huddling close to it in friendly fashion, as if conscious of the utter loneliness of sea and sand dune. And in front of one of these houses sat Captain Billy and his Janet, they too seemed alone in the silent expanse of waste and water, but it in no wise disturbed them. Billy was industriously mending a huge fish net spread out upon the sands. Janet was planning a mode of attack in order to preserve unto herself the very loneliness and isolation that surrounded them. In Janet's hands Captain Billy knew himself a craven coward. Only by keeping his eyes away from the face near him could he hope for success in argument. And Captain Billy, with all the strength of his simple, honest nature, meant to succeed in the present course, if Janet would permit him. It was yet to be discovered how beautiful was the girl, crouching upon the sands. So unlike was she to the young people of the station that she repelled rather than attracted the common eye. Tall, slim, and sinewy was she, with the quick strength of a boy. The smooth brown skin had the fineness and delicacy of exquisite bronze. Some attempt had been made earlier in the day to confine the splendid hair with strong strands of seaweed, but the breeze of the later morning had treated the matter contemptuously, and the shining waves were beautifully disordered. Out of all keeping with this brown ruggedness were Janet's eyes. Like colorless pools they lay protected by their dark fringes until emotion moved them to tint and expression. Did the sky of Janet's day prove kind, what eyes could be as soft and blue as hers? Did storm threaten, a grayness brooded, a grayness quite capable of changing to ominous black. Captain Billy, trained to watching for storms and danger, knew the signals, and now, for safety, lay low. The eyes were mild and sun-filled, the face bewitchingly friendly, but when Janet took to wheedling, Billy hugged the shore. "'You don't really mean it, Captain, now, do you?' "'I do that,' muttered Billy, and he pulled the twine energetically." "'What, send your own Janet off to the mainland to stay, except when she runs back?' This last in a tone that might have moved a rock to pity. "'Yes, that, Janet, and you mustn't come on too often, neither.' "'Oh, Captain, and just when we got the blessed beach to ourselves. Mrs. Joe G. and her kind gone, only the crew and us. Why, Captain, this is life.' "'Now, Janet, tain't no use for you to coax. "'You're going on seventeen, ain't you?' Seventeen, Captain, and eleven months.' 
"'It's distractin' the way you've shot up. "'Clear distractin', and I ain't been and done my duty by you neither.' "'Billy yanked a strand of cord vigorously. "'Yes, you have, Captain.' "'Janet's tone was dangerously soft. "'I'm the very properest girl at the station. "'Look at me, Captain Daddy.' "'But Billy steeled himself and rigidly attended to the net. "'Well,' he admitted, "'you're proper enough long some lines. "'I've taught you to conquer your eternal bad temper.' "'You've taught me to know its power, Captain Daddy.' warned Janet, with a glint of darkness in the laughing serenity of her gaze. "'The temper is here just the same, and powerful bad upon provocation.' A smile moved the corners of Billy's humorous lips. "'And the bedpost is here, too, Janet. Lordy, I can see you now as I used to tie you up till the storm was over. What an eternal little rascal you were!' The waves of tantrums rolled over you, one by one, your yells growing less and less, and by and by you called out tween squalls, "'Captain Daddy, it's most past!' There was a mist over Billy's eyes. "'You turn a little specimen,' he added. "'But, Captain, dear,' Janet was growing more and more dangerous. "'I've been so good.' Just think how I've gone across the bay to the corners to school. My, how educated I am. Storm or ice, I leave it to you, Daddy. Did I ever complain? Never, Janet. I've stood on the dock and watched your sail comin' for the gale till it seemed like I would bust with fear. And the way you handled your ice boat in the pursuit of knowledge gettin' was simple miraculous. No, I ain't a frettin' over your learnin' gettin'. It's the usin' of the same as is stirrin' me now. With such education as you've got in spite of storm and danger, you ought to be shinin' over on the mainland among the boarders. Boarders, sniffed Janet, tossing her ruddy mane. Boarders. Folks have gone crazy mad over the city folks who have swooped down upon us, like a, a hawk. Every house full of those raving lunatics going on about the views and the the artistic desolation. That's what those dirty, spotty-looking things on the hills call it. Captain, you ought to just see them going about in checked kitchen aprons with daubs all over them, sunbonnets a-dangling on their heads, little wagons full of truck for painting pictures, and such pictures. Lorsy! If I lived in a place that looked like those sketches they call them, I'd I'd go to sea, Captain Daddy, to sea. But they be folks, Janet, and it's a new life and a chance, and it ain't decent for you, with all your good points, to be on the beach along with the crew all alone. Captain, I do believe you want to marry me off. Get rid of me. Oh, Daddy... Janet plunged her head in her lap and was the picture of outraged maidenhood. "'Tain't so, and you know it,' cried Billy. "'But Mrs. Joe G., for they sailed off, opened my eyes.' "'Mrs. Joe G.' snapped Janet, raising her head and flashing a look of resentment. "'I thought so. 
What did she suggest, that I might come to her house and wait? Wait? Just think of it, Captain. Wait upon those boarders? She had suggested that, and something even worse, so Billy held his peace. It's simply outrageous the way our people are going on, the girl continued. They are bent upon beggaring the city folks. Beggaring them, really. They have no consciences about the methods they take to, to rob them. Janet, hold your tiller close. Oh, I know, Captain, but I do not want to take part in it all. I want to stay alone with you. Think of the patrols, Captain Daddy. I'll take them all with you, sunset, midnight, and morning. You and I, Daddy dear, under the stars, or through storm. Ah, I've ached for just this. Billy felt his determination growing weak. I've made arrangements, Janet. Captain David, he's going to board you, and you can look about. And if you see an opening to get a chance to better yourself, not in the marrying way, but turning a penny, why, it'll all help, my girl, and you ought to be having the chance with the city folks, what all the others is having. Oh, you sly old Captain Daddy. And do you realize that Captain Davy's Susie Jane isn't any joke to live with? You don't hear Davy tattling, but other folks are not so particular. Daddy, dear, I just cannot. And with this, the girl sprang into the net, rolled over and over, and then lay unsnarled in the meshes at Billy's feet, her laughing eyes shining through the strands. Eternal rascal, cried Billy. You think you've caught me, whined Janet. You think you've got me. Oh, Captain, I'm afraid of the city folks. Afraid, sneered Billy. My Janet afraid of anything. Yes, honest true. I do not want to be near them. I sent danger, not to them, but to me. Billy, bereft of his hand's occupation, looked out seaward. He was well-nigh distracted. Always his duty to this girl was uppermost in his simple mind, but his love and anxiety mingled with it. He no more understood her than he understood the elements that made havoc along the coast and necessitated his brave calling. He waged war with the sea to save his kind, and he struggled against the opposing forces in Janet that he in no wise understood in order that she, as a girl among others, should have her rights. Wild little creature as she had always been, Billy had used all the opportunities at hand to tame her into a similarity to the other children of the station, and when he had failed, he gloried in the failure and grew more distracted. Braving opposition in the girl and the dangers of nature, Billy had forced the child across the bay to the school at the corners. What there was to learn in that primitive institution, Janet had learned, and much more besides, in ways of which Billy knew nothing. For years the quaint seaside village had lain unnoticed in its droning course. Ships, now and again, had been driven upon the bar outside the dunes, 
and at such times the bravery of the quiet crew at the government station was sung in the distant city papers. Now and again the superiority of the Point Quinton light would be mentioned, but Captain David never knew of it. He tended and loved the light with a fatherly interest. It was his life's trust, and David was a poet, an inarticulate poet, who spoke only through his shining light. The government was his master. David thought upon the government in a personal way and served it reverently. Then an artist had discovered Quinton by the sea. He took a painting of it back to the restless town, a painting full of color of dune, sea, bay, and hundred-tone hills, with never a tree to stay the progress of the unending breezes. That was sufficient. The artist was great enough to touch the heart, and Quinton was doomed to be famous. But it was only the beginning now. Every house in the village had opened its doors to the strangers, and every pocket yawned for possible dollars. Tents were pitched in artistic arrangement on the hills, but the hotel was not yet. Managers waited to see if the fever would last. While they waited, the village folk reaped a breathtaking harvest. Mrs. Joe G., the only woman who had lived at the life-saving station in her own home, packed up and went off with baggage and children to open the old farmhouse on the mainland and take boarders. Before going, she left food for Billy to digest. "'This be Janet's chance,' she said, standing with her hands on her hips and her sunbonnet shading her fair, pinched face. Nothing ever tanned Mrs. Joe G. "'She can turn in and help wait on table, or she can take in washin'. "'It won't hurt her a bit. "'Washin' will have to be done, and the city folks will pay.' Janet can make them fetch and carry their own duds. She can stand on her dignity, and wash money is as good as any other. Billy experienced a distinct chill at this last proposition. Why, he could hardly have told. During Janet's babyhood and early childhood, he had assumed all household duties himself. Later, he and Janet had shared them together over tub and table, but that Janet should wash for the boarders was harrowing. "'You think she's too good, Captain,' sneered Mrs. Joe G. "'But she ain't. She's wild, and she ought to get her bearings. She ain't any different from my girls, nor the others, though you act as if you thought so. You ain't as strong as you once was, Captain, and come the time when you pass in your last check, who's going to do for Janet?' "'And how's she going to know how to do for herself? "'You ain't actin' fair by the girl. "'It's clear providence, the way the city folks has fallen, "'as you might say, right in our open mouths. "'There'll be plenty of chances on the mainland "'for Janet to turn a penny and get an idea of self-support. "'But she ought to be there and not stuck here.' "'Mrs. Joe G. had hardly turned the point.' after this epoch-making speech, before Billy was starting for the light and the one friend of his heart. "'David,' he explained, viewing his friend through a fog of thick blue smoke, 
I want that you should take my girl. Once Janet is here, she'll be mighty spry about getting into something. I don't want her to take to washing or serving strangers, lest she wants to. But when experience and money is floating loose, my girl ought to be out with her net. Course, nodded David, and Janet's a rare fisher for these new waters. You'll keep your eye on her, David, knowin' all you do? The furrows deepened on Billy's brow. David took his pipe from his mouth. God's my witness, I will that, he said. Thus things stood, while Janet, coiled in the meshes, lay laughing up at Billy. What do you think of your haul, Captain Billy Daddy? The man sighed. You wouldn't let those dreadful old sharks, they are sharks, Captain, you wouldn't let them hurt your poor little fish now, would you? The rippling girlish laugh jarred Billy's nerves. He must take a new tack. See here, Janet, do you mind this? You ain't just my child, Lord knows you ain't. You're hers. Hers? Yes. Ah, you mean my mother. The net lay quite still. Having no memory of the mother, Janet was not deeply impressed. I know, Captain. When you are in a difficulty, you always bring her in, what she would like and what she wouldn't. It's my belief, Captain, she'd have done and thought exactly as we told her to. Tain't so, neither. She had heaps of common sense. And as she got near port, she saw terrible clear, and she talked considerable about learning and how it could steer your craft better than anything else. And she lowed if you was gal or lad, after you got learning, she wanted you should go out into the world and test it. She wasn't oversought about the station. She had visited other places. Janet sat up and idly draped the net about her. "'I suppose if my mother had lived,' she said, "'I would have listened to her, some. "'But, Captain Daddy, I reckon she would have gone off with me. "'Like as not, we would have taken boarders, "'but, don't you see, Captain, I would have had her.' "'True, and it's that what's held my hand many's the time.' Your not having her has crippled us both. But a summer on the mainland ain't a-goin' to swamp us, Janet. With the comrade tied to David's wharf and me here, what's going to happen to a, a girl like you? Janet looked across the summer sea. What? Sure enough, Captain Daddy, just what? And I ought to be earning my keep. I'm going to set you up with some gal fixin's what I've saved for you. Your mother's things. You ain't never seen them. Suppose we take a look now. A summer, with runnin' over to the station, will be real interestin', Janet. And you must tell me everything. There ain't no reason why you shouldn't sail over every little while, but I do hope you'll make yourself useful somehow. It will help by and by. "'And I'm getting stiff.' He arose awkwardly and strode toward the tiny house. Janet followed, 
trailing her fishnet robe and humming lightly. The house was composed of three small rooms with a lean-to, whereof late years Billy had slept. From the middle room, which was the living room, a ladder set against the wall led to the loft overhead. The man slowly climbed upward and Janet went after. The space above was hardly high enough for an upright position, so man and girl sat down upon the floor, and it happened that a locked chest stood between them. "'Janet, ye ain't never seen these things, have ye?' "'No, Cap'n Billy.' The mocking laugh was gone from the face. "'Ye ain't got no sense of curiosity about anything, Janet, not even your mother. Most girls would have asked questions.' This seemed like a rebuke, and Janet kept silent. "'Ain't ye got no curious feelin' about your mother?' "'Cap'n Billy, you haven't ever let me miss anything in all my life. I suppose that's why I haven't asked. I never knew her, did I, Cap'n Billy? You made up for everything.' This unnerved Billy. "'That's logic,' he nodded, "'and it's good-heartedness as well. But, Janet, I'm going to tell you somewhat of your mother.' He took a key from his pocket, unlocked the chest, and raised the lid. "'Them things is hers,' he said reverently. "'Little frocks—' Three he laid out upon the floor. Cheap, rather gaudy they were, but of cut and fashion unknown to the beech-bred girl. "'And little under-things, and a hat, and sack, shoes. Just look at them, Janet.' Little feet they covered, but such willing little feet, always a trotting bout till the very last, so terrible afraid they wouldn't be grateful enough. Lord, but that was what she said. The pitiful store of woman's clothing lay near Janet, but she made no motion to touch it. And this is her. Captain Billy took a photograph from the bottom of the chest unwrapped it from its covering of tissue paper, and handed it to the quiet girl opposite. "'This is her, and as like as life. The same little hat on, what she set such store by. I ain't had the heart to show you this before.' Janet seized the card eagerly. The light from a small window in the roof fell full upon it. "'Oh!' she breathed. She was, why, Captain Billy, she was more than pretty. I think I should have felt her more if I had seen this. Maybe, Janet. Am, am I like her? Like as not, if you was whiter and spindlier, there'd be a likeness. An uneasiness struggled in Billy's inner consciousness as he viewed the girl. "'You're more wild-like,' he added. "'I wish I had asked a lot about her,' Janet whispered, and there was a mist in her eyes. "'I have been careless just because I've been happy. It seems as if we had sort of pushed her away and kept her still.' "'Well, it's her turn to speak now, girl, and that's what I've been steering around to.' "'You're hers, and—' 
"'And yours, Captain Billy, even if you have taught me to say Captain instead of Father.' "'It was her word for me, child, and you added Daddy of your own will. "'My Captain,' she used to say. "'It sounded awful soothin', and her so grateful about nothin'. "'Sho, and she wanted ye to be help long o' me. "'Them was her words, and, Lordy, child, I'm willin' to work and share with you, "'but savin' is pretty hard when there ain't nothin' much to save from.' And if this summer boardin' business is going to open up a chance for you, it ain't cause I want help, but she'd like you to have more things. Don't you see? And I just know you'll get your innings on the mainland. I have been a selfish girl, Janet murmured, holding the photograph closer. A human crab, just clinging and gripping you. "'then running wild and fighting against you "'when you wanted me to learn to be useful. "'I think, Captain Billy, if you had shown me, "'my mother, and talked more of her, "'maybe it would have been different. "'Maybe not,' with a soft sigh. "'I reckon everyone has to be ready for seeing. "'I don't just know how to... "'how to get my share from those... those boarders.' but I'll find a way. I mean to be helpful, Captain. I can't bring myself to wait on them. Mrs. Joe G. doesn't seem to mind that, but I do, and I hate to see them eat in crowds. But I'll find something to do. Put the clothes in the carpet bag, Captain Billy Daddy. I may not wear them over there, but I'd like to have them. May I take the picture? "'Yes, only be powerful careful of it. "'And don't show it around. "'Somehow she seems to belong to nobody but just us two. "'End of chapter 1 Recording by Roger Moline